0: War in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. You're listening to The John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, depietro.com. While it is Tuesday i hope everyone had a uh, a nice july 4th the weather was uh, definitely delightful uh both days it cleaned it cleared up on on sunday and then yesterday well folks it's happened again i mean there's just no way to ignore this and admittedly i i don't know what the solution is uh the rampage six dead 30 hospitalized uh the shooter at the parade on the store rooftop and then you you know very disturbing social media post he even a year ago filmed himself on the parade route he was known to law enforcement and just absolutely Drudge report has it right american madness nation's 309th mass shooting this year and it's only july 5th i mean there's just something off something needs to change can't live this way you know as far as uh, background and i don't think it's been determined yet 13 shot across new york city but how is this um you know it comes back to how did he get access to the weapon now he's not young he's well he's young he's 22 but he's not 18 he was known to law enforcement here is someone this bobby Crimo, cremo accused of uh, killing six people they got him alive on youtube you can see his videos he's of no talent awake the rapper lives in the outskirts of chicago known to law enforcement dramatized school shootings his father runs two business the mother's an alternative healer the father lost the 2019 mayoral campaign to a liberal ran on gun control platform and on the day of the school shooting the father like to tweet protect the second amendment like your life depends on it but he was known to law enforcement so they're going to have to go into backgrounds on you know from whether it is a lot of this stuff starts in high school starts in school the school counselors have backgrounds and medical information on individuals like this um he supposedly has these different listeners on spotify but known to police not known if it's because he had um the violent videos were hosted by youtube they were taken down last night um last fall he did drawings of himself shooting people uh filmed a clip i saw of him throwing bullets on the floor of a classroom wearing armor where he's joking about a school shooting there's there's something wrong with someone that starts to um you know almost fantasize about this stuff and brag about it the victims were ages 8 to 85 with around four of those believed to be children um but it's 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 just horrific that's what then um really marks the the holiday he's obviously odd now the problem is as we know listen there's it's not against the law to be odd. And there are people that either play violent video games or watch violent movies. Um, there is a certain type of music that gravitates towards aggression. People like this don't normally listen to what would be considered normal music. Um, but when you look at that, was, that was sheer terrorism at that parade and what those people went through and again another mass shooting i i don't know what the answer is something needs to be done i think it if we're going to talk about mental health and mental illness then there needs to be real conversations about it um and why did someone if he's doing here's some things if if he's doing these drawings and doing these videos where he's basically. Uh, laughing about a school shooting and hinting at school shooting now this obviously was not a school shooting and look at the last three big high profile mass shootings a parade on the fourth of july grocery store market supermarket in buffalo and then obviously the the school in texas something needs to change regards if there's someone but here's here's a problem I'm just thinking out loud. Here, here's the problem and that is that there are people that do violent drawings and play violent video games and watch violent films and so forth and and they never commit an act of violence and then you get someone like this one who clearly had been thinking about doing this for some time it even says in the video it's happening i couldn't even stop myself at this point again there's there's the profile of it's a young white male loner lone wolf attack right now they have not talked about arresting anyone else anyone else being charged this is um they're they're very young he's not 18 he's 22 how did he get the weapon uh where does he live there's you know i i saw a family member of his said there were no warning signs but there are warning signs it's not normal he's not just being a, a goofy young guy uh fantasizing about these things and and Talking about these types of things and drawing about them, it's there's a progression where it's leading, and this is problematic. It is problematic. From there are people, you know, most normal people will watch a film that might have some violence, but they get through the violent scenes. Then there are some people, they they seek out and like to watch very violent films and that's the part of the film that attracts them and it shouldn't be a shock listen I, and i also there's something wrong with someone like that there is something wrong and then someone like this he almost seems to be like a, a a ticking time bomb um what what could have stopped it now again he's not you look at him he's puny he's not a big guy uh he wouldn't have done this with a knife i'm not even sure you could have done this with a handgun They feel their life is meaningless. They have no direction. They have no, you know, future, so to speak. They have no seemingly a lot of, they're not popular. They don't have a lot of friends. They don't seem to be on a path anywhere. Um, I'll bet that we're going to learn that from the ages of 16, 17, 18, that this Bobby Cremo just started drifting and getting more bizarre more rod and then at some point he got access to that particular weapon and then it's planned um he also he didn't go far away uh he did drop the weapon at the scene and then was found driving his own vehicle and then they spotted the vehicle it doesn't seem like it was even well thought out if he had planned it more uh basically if the the vehicle could have disappeared somewhere then I don't know if they ever would have caught him. They caught him because of the vehicle he was driving. and uh, But this, you know, what's preventing the police from really putting someone like this on their radar? He was known to law enforcement. I mean, the, the police that knew, here's this odd little guy that on his own doesn't look like he could punch his way out of a paper bag, but put a high-power rifle in his hands, and then suddenly he does feel powerful and he's able to carry that out. I, I don't know quite frankly what the solution is but this can't continue this is insanity uh, our nation just cannot operate this way something's got to give whatever was stopping the police from interrogating him more learning more about him putting him on some kind of a watch list whatever was presenting that or preventing that i should say that needs to be altered and changed because you know, for as much as his Second Amendment right, what about everybody else's rights? uh This is 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 that we just can't live this way. I think it's at a breaking point. All right, folks, it is Tuesday. We are on the air. Hope everyone had a happy, safe Fourth. But it is tough when uh, the whole nation is reeling from this latest mass shooting. Much more ahead on this Tuesday on the John DePietro Show. Folks, remember for all your tree service. 6028 439 6028 whether it's tree removal stump grinding tree pruning emergency service bucket truck service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there Oftentimes, a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down. At Yankee Tree Service, their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439-6028, 439-6028. If they have to, they get right up there in the bucket. Yankee Tree Service, since 2006, tree trimming experts. Give them a call. 439-6028, 439-6028, or online at Treeservice.com. Folks, you are listening to the John DePetro Show weekdays. We start at 11, we go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining us, he is the managing editor for anchorrising.com, and it's Justin Katz. And Justin, I'd like to start off. That was quite the press briefing that took place right before the holiday weekend. And that is where uh, last week, and we are going to talk about the poll that came out with the Boston Globe. But the uh, Magaziner campaign, to me, clearly rattled. Now he is in a crowded field for of Democrats, as far as it's General Treasurer Seth Magaziner, it's uh, for one a former staffer of Langevin, Joy Fox, and then also this woman Sarah Morgenthal, very progressive David Siegel, who's raising money with the help of Elizabeth Warren, and then. This other gentleman, Omar Ba, but just want to hear your take on Congressman Landry and Magaziner held a joint press briefing uh, very last minute for the holiday weekend, and it was basically Landry endorsing him and almost encouraging other people to get out of the race. Um, Magaziner, Justin Katz, he was wasn't even mentioning that he was a primary. He was all about this is important and this is the you know the election in November. And they were naming Fung. Uh, we haven't seen anything like that. To me, it showed real panic. Um, and they wanted to squeeze it in before the the holiday weekend. But I'd like to hear your thoughts on that press briefing.
1: Well, I think so. I and mean, one of the... That amplifies the point to realize that Joy Fox, one of the other competitors, once worked for Langevin. So it's, yeah. it's kind of a... She called it a disappointment, which to, to be sure, yeah. that was an understatement. Um, yeah. So I think... The lens I've been applying to this and, and some of the other races as well is mainly the everybody attempting to establish themselves as the establishment Democrat candidate, because that's just, it just comes with all the perks of, of automatic votes and and hope and from their perspective, hopefully the, uh, the ballot harvesting machine. Uh, but I, that's how I, so I, that's how I see this is Langevin has been persuaded. Magaziner the best chance against Fung. You need to come out and, cement his status as the front runner but i think i think your your notion of panic is 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 dead on i mean i i one of the details that jumped out at me from from magaziner's rhetoric was that he wants 20 debates with Fung. that's almost like the the underdog play right you just yes. i just want people to cover me i want to be able to throw rocks at my opponent because nobody's going to pay attention to me that's the thing you do when, when you've got a very strong frontrunner on the, on the other side and you need plenty of debates to get your name out there and, and hope to get, find some cracks in your opposition. So that, that to me was the most telling part of, of magaziners rhetoric.
0: I was also disappointed. I almost went to this Justin Katz, but as you know, it was, it was very last minute, but I was shocked that he says something like that. Now he's in a primary with a person of color with two women. And at no point does the media follow up and say, you know, will will you offer your opponents twenty debates that you, you know, want Mayor Fung to uh, bring you up on? And I I find that they they seemed a little tentative, almost. I I think, and again, I I hate to second guess what if you because I I could have gone and I wasn't there, and I I hate to be the type that says here's what you should have said, but did did you find a little curious that I mean he's basically calling for. Joy Fox, uh, Sarah Morgenthal, and and Omar. He's calling for them to get out of the race, so Seth Magaziner can just focus on Alan Fung.
1: Right. Well, it is. It is. Indicative of the way Democrats treat that sort of a controversy when it's when it's a Republican when it's conservatives, that's the top issue. It's all about women. It's all about minorities. But they they want this seat. It's just they need to they need to preserve this seat, and so all of that all of that goes by the wayside. And that that goes for the news media too, who are largely Democrat operatives, as as oh, yeah. Reynolds Amesbundt likes to say. Uh, so, and even when they're not, they just they're just so. So much in agreement with that dem- the sort of Democrat worldview that it doesn't even occur to them to challenge the person they feel in their gut needs to win. And so it, it is it is telling when those questions are, are not asked. Uh, sometimes we will hear from progressives and, and also telling is that there wasn't at least that I I saw, wasn't immediately press conferences from the others calling for him to step out of the race or or give the uh, others a a chance to, minorities and women, a chance to shine in that seat. That you would often see, I think, or in the past we've seen that sort of a a quick response, but that was silent too. So I think what you're seeing is the establishment kind of buckling down and saying, well, the poll results showing if Alan Fung in the lead cement the fact that we need to come together and, and preserve this seat. And Seth Magaziner is is our best bet. And he's not that, you know, I, I, maybe I'm, I'm biased, but I don't find him to be that compelling of a candidate on his no, own. And no. so it really is almost like, a, almost like nominating Joe Biden to the presidency. You know, it's just, it's, he's a safe bet, we can't risk this. So let's all just get behind this guy, even though it in some ways contradicts all of our, our general rhetoric.
0: That's exactly right. And again, folks, our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, we you get at anchorising.com. It was, uh, Justin, I mean, to me, that's so condescending to his opponents. Like, this is serious. We could lose this. Like, enough of the games. You people need to leave the race. We all have to rally around sets. I also find it, you know, where were the tough questions as far as he's saying it's so important for women's rights? Well, don't the two women that are running against you, don't they have the right? to be heard in the in the primary um i i found it just a very condescending attitude that has been his problem he doesn't even live in the district he still doesn't i get the feeling i mean come on what is he going to move in august that he keeps saying oh that's we're still looking at it i i don't think he thought that he would need to uh he is someone that certainly it was to me what came across was an area of entitlement and the fact that they waited till the, the Globe poll came out to get Langevin off the sidelines, because let's face it, that this this press conference that, that happened Friday, Justin Katz, I, they could have they done that a month ago. They could have done it two months ago. Um, this was in reaction to the Globe poll. And let's talk about the Globe poll. Uh, in the poll, number one, magazine or plus every other candidate in that CD2 race, they lose to Mayor Fung in a primary. Let's start off. Your reaction to just that?
1: Well, I what you notice if you look at the numbers is Fung doesn't change much compared to the you know depending who he's against he's pretty solid at around I think it's around forty five percent thereabouts. Um, it what changes is basically the number of undecideds, um, which really indicates a a lot of doubts about Democrats. I mean it's almost like a generic ticket, and which is. Probably explains why the fight is to become the establishment Democrat because at this point it's purely partisan. Uh, it doesn't. It seems it doesn't. It doesn't much matter uh, who the Democrat is now. Fung it, it probably is stronger than other com- Republican competitors because he's he's known. He's known to be yeah. He was a good competent mayor. Uh, he's, he's known to not be radical in his views. He's not a fire breather. Uh, and he's, he's a minority. So Democrats will be more comfortable with that as well. So I, I think Fung is is pretty strong among Republicans. But on a Democrat side, it's really just, do I do I go this way? And, and if you look in the polls, a lot of the undecideds are, are independents. So that's that's where the a lot of the some opportunity remains ahead for fun because if the en- yes. independents aren't satisfied with the Democrat right. candidates, which they may not be, because they are, the Democrats are extremely radical and yes. they're, they're not they're not at least as I've seen actively distancing themselves from Joe Biden, who is extremely unpopular even among Democrats, and so. The, the independents could break Fung's way, um, which is why I, th- I think that's that's the key of the poll is that it was undecided, and that's that's a risk to the Democrats, I think.
0: That's an excellent point. And the, the, the Democrat base seems to be – just put the, the Democrat on it, and there it's at 30%. Even that Omar Barr, I think, had like 32%. So you deal with a 32% base uh the undecideds will decide this and funk has a huge advantage with undecideds but just for those that missed it what what number one i like polls uh, number two the fact that the boston globe came out with this poll there's no way to dispute it and say that they're in the tank for fung there was way no way to ignore it and anyone that questions polling or methods of polling or anything like that um th- it got tremendous reaction this week and i think it's healthy Having, you know, so Channel 12 has a poll. Then you have the Boston Globe poll. They were all polling internally. This is a way for the public to find out just um, what they're seeing. Now, also, Justin Katz, in that poll, uh, what is your reaction to, and the the Globe even seems surprised, overwhelming majority. Boy, Biden is completely flipped. Uh, In 2020, they claim he won Rhode Island 57 percent of the vote. And yet in the poll, he is at 39 percent approval in in basically like a 57 59% disapproval rating in that poll.
1: Yeah, Biden does not do well at all. What, one one thing that jumped out at me which seems to be a, a solidifying narrative is the only subgroup that I noticed that that is actually still in favor of of Biden with with 50% approval is uh people New Englanders with graduate degrees, so with master's degrees and PhDs, 50% yep. approval of Biden. Uh, but what, mm-hmm. but if you look at income, this isn't just rich elites. It's it's people who have those high degrees and aren't quite making that much money. I, I mean, I haven't seen the cross tabs, but you can infer that from the the income and the graduate degrees. So what you start to see, and this this goes with the rhetoric that you're seeing too, is it's kind of academic elite, you know, people who've been to college, whether or not they make a lot of money, they. They feel that we might say they're overeducated. They support the Democrats, and then attempt to they, the politicians attempt to scare everybody else, uh, the lower income folks and minorities, into going with them. And so that's what you see with the they're after women and and gays and that sort of stuff. Uh, and so I think that to me is was was a detail, but the overwhelming lack of support. I mean, it was only what 60 69% of voters in New England do not think biden should run again i mean so you you, even if in some groups he gets approval most people the large significant majority of people do not think he should run again and that's that's going to drag down the ticket pretty strongly again raises questions about the strategy of people trying to establish them as sort of the the establishment Democrat, because the face of that establishment, at least nationally, is Joe Biden, and he's just not popular. And his party is not, in order to scare their their lower income and minority bases, they they are not conforming with the issues that are really at the topmost of people's minds, which are basically the economy. And, and you can see that too, the strongest opposition to him uh, was among People in the state of fifty dollars to $100,000 income largely trades people and people with some college or no or only high school degrees. So working people who need to make a living are very, very much souring on the Democrat Party, which is kind of surprising because the labor groups tend to, tend to be progressive activists on the Democrat side. And, and they're, in that respect, they're not representing their members at all. Folks, we're going to take a, a quick break. Much more
0: head politics this week with Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com, right here on the John DeDito Show. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. Justin, let's stay with the uh, Boston Globe poll just for a moment. So the undecided is still the winner in the Democrat race. Uh, it's still at 30%. But I'd like to get your thoughts on, according to this Boston Globe-Suffolk poll, Nellie Gorbea remains the front runner with 24%. But she's not, you know, starting to go north of of 30. Um, And also, just to circle back, uh, Fung at some point needs to be interesting to see when and how he can get above 50%. I know the Fung people will have a sigh of relief if they could start to get him above 50% in a poll. But... um, also, then you have Governor McKee at 20%. And Helena Folks, her advertising has paid off. She has bumped up to 16%. So you have Gorbea at 24%, McKee at 20 Folks at 16 with a 30% undecided.
1: Yeah, I think what we're seeing here is, uh, I mean, Gorbea may be maxing out at that. Her, her name recognition is not that high. She hasn't done no. a whole lot. Um, so she may just, that may just be her, it, the results See, may like, be an indication wow. of, well, it might be. I mean, I, I don't know. It's not obvious to me because the the split seems to be between McKee and Folks at this point. If you look at the demographic breakdowns of their support, um, where McKee is weak is among whites and the elderly, so basically the older school Democrats, and that's where folks is strong. And so as we discussed last week, she's kind of eating into McKee's more moderate uh, support, I think, uh, which means if Courbet is kind of hanging out on the left a bit, trying to grab some of the identity politics and the women vote, minority vote, that leaves that undecided group might break toward that mainstream candidate the who was the less, you know, the less radical candidate, which would be McKee or folks. Uh, so that's who they probably should be fighting for. And I th- that's why I, I, I I mean, hopefully he's got people on his team who are really digging into these numbers and planning out for his his uh, campaign. But it's, McKee has gone way, way left. in uh, and, yes. and, and he hasn't stopped as we've gotten closer to the primary. And that may prove to be a, a huge mistake because he he's not going to take the progressives, uh, even, you know, even. Hugging a, a minority lieutenant governor is not going to get him the progressives. They don't believe him. They think he's still the white business guy from a suburb. Uh, and so he's going to lose that base. And I, to me, that's the story of, of his his challenge right now, is he needs to get out from under uh, his, his urge to be favored on the left. And you can kind of see why his people might be going that direction. He's he's very, very weak among women. Um, and so they may think, go embrace abortion. And that'll that'll help you among that constituency, which which is debatable. But even even then, you know, the idea that he might win them over versus several women in the race is is, is questionable. So I think that that's the big story, and that's why I think we, we've seen folks kind of surge here. She's giving an alternative to those voters, and and so we'll we'll see if if her team is wise enough not to try to run left and instead kind of lean into uh, this this growing support.
0: Justin, in many ways, I mean, she's actually sitting in a good position, 16 percent, but 30 percent undecided. Uh, Undecided traditionally always break for the challenger because they feel that they've already decided on Governor McKee and or whoever the, the person in office is. I think in this instance, him being almost the incumbent, even though he didn't win the office, I think it's actually hurting him. What do you think wins, though? Let's just look at numbers. What do you think? your opinion wins this primary. So right now you have Gorbeya's at at twenty four, McKee at twenty, folks at sixteen, Matt Brown is at five percent, thirty percent undecided. But what do you think wins the Democrat gubernatorial primary for governor? What what percentage?
1: Like what do you uh, need to get to? I I think well Brown's not going anywhere, but I think he's gonna be stuck at five percent. So you okay. can take that kind of off there. Um, I I think, eh, I don't know, I wanna say around forty percent will okay. win it. Um that's probably on the high end, maybe yeah. maybe a little lower. I thirty six
0: percent could win this primary.
1: Well or, or less. That's I right, mean it depends. It depends what happens. When some of the questions are whether whether McKee or folks can can take the other one out of the race, if if they both stay in it, they probably keep their their twenty. Oh, or they're both ish. Yeah, Either so yeah, I, you know, you, you could actually, you,
0: well, you could Corbea have thirty. 10, uh, but that that seems well. Let's just play it out. Uh, you're saying thirty percent could win of the thirty percent undecided. If you give Gorbea a ten of that, and then give folks twenty of that, and then Everybody else basically stays the same. She wins at thirty six percent. I, I it, it would have to be uh, that you're saying thirty percent, but that that would be a really tight finish, and everybody kind of gaining a lot. I just don't think McKee has got much room to go. If you're undecided, I don't know if that's who you're deciding on. Uh, but you think it's it's on the low end, maybe like thirty thirty five percent somewhere in there.
1: Well, I think I think that that could win it. I, I think we'll probably okay. see in the thirty-five to forty percent. It will okay. be the the winning.
0: Yeah, um, folks is is actually definitely in a, a good good spot right now. Folks, quick break. Much more head politics this week with Justin Katz right here on the John DePietro show. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to Atmed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care. Urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine. Diagnostic treatment service. at med Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals, They're a cost-efficient healthcare alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from covid you want to go straight to Atmed Urgent Care. Two locations. Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at AtMedUrgentCare.net. Our segment is Politics this week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor at Justin, also at the end of last week, Governor McKee, he ended up signing into law at the DMV of all places, but he, he has now made it official, this whole business of driving permits uh, for illegals. I have very strong thoughts on it. I think it has nothing to do with that. Uh, makes us an outlier. Massachusetts is on the verge of rescinding it. I, I think this is, to me, it's just all about the boat. They want to attract as many people, whatever term people want to use, undocumented, illegal. But they want to attract them to Rhode Island. They want to keep them here for population. I think they also feel they can control them. Uh, and get them to vote Democrat or they're using their information. But um, when you think of the battles in the past of Governor Chafee and then Raimondo would never do it. And then uh, in in just the, the time we're in right now, McKee totally capitulates and uh, signs it into law where now they can have these
1: driving privileges. Right. Well, I think what put it over the top is McKee's panic about being elected, yeah. and so he's trying to he's trying to buy some progressive goodwill. Uh, but yeah. I, I think the impetus is really I mean more more fundamental. As you say, the they need to keep the the population up to keep the federal money flowing and not be embarrassed by losing a congressional seat. And so one of the ways to do that is to bring in people from out of the country and, and count them toward the census uh which is uh, you know probably what saved Rhode Island its congressional seat this time around was getting undocumented voters to or sorry <laughs> not there yet uh, undocumented uh, residents to to sign up for the census Uh, but i think a bigger uh, there's an institutional reason as well in that rhode island is not a productive place and we see it in the polls where the people who who are trying to work and and make a living are the most unhappy with the people running the state because they can't and over for 20 years or more that's that's the demographic that's been leaving the state you cannot make a life here if you're if you're just trying to make that jump from say working to middle class it's just very difficult in rhode island and so what what states are doing and cities too. I've I studied this in Lawrence, Massachusetts. They start to try to attract clients for government services, and that becomes sort of the economy. So, so basically, the model is you get people who are going to need welfare, education, this, that, and the other public service and you import them and then you make other residents pay for it or get it from the federal government or somehow get people to pay that bill. And that's what keeps the system going uh, and that the, location somewhat economically viable and i th- so i think that's a big part of the impetus but again i think we'll put it over the top at this point maybe i mean maybe just covid really took the bottom out we'll see in years to come who left rhode island during covid uh, to go elsewhere where they could actually find opportunity and live a life uh, but i think mckee's fear just capitulating wherever he possibly can uh is is really what put it over the top, and it's a, it's a shame because it is a bad policy. It'll it's it's as you say it's going in the opposite direction, and even especially when at the say at the border, you're seeing border counties and border areas, districts in te- Texas going Republican with majority yeah. Hispanic votes. So they're not their their assumption. If that's it, if their assumption is that they're going to always vote Democrat and everything, then that that may not be. That may not be correct, unless they can keep them needing government services, which is probably their plan.
0: Folks, again, our segment is on politics This week with me is Justin Katz, managing editor at anchorrizsing.com. Justin, I want to give credit to Kathy Greg of the Promise Journal. She wrote a story. I was wondering about these curious press releases. Uh, what people don't understand is if the governor, whoever's the governor, is going to be somewhere, uh, you know, traditionally, the newspapers will send someone along to cover it. Uh, television stations definitely do just to run some b-roll and governor mckee started all oh, the rhode island momentum tour and he's appearing here here appearing there and i i just appreciate the fact that she wrote a story on well, you know are these campaign events or are these official uh events of the office and as much as the mckee people were trying to say oh no these are you know these are just he's doing the job as as governor and it's it's official business by all accounts, uh Justin Katz, she's exactly right. These these are campaign events under the you know, uh, uh, under the guise of that it's it's an official business. But this business of the Rhode Island Momentum Tour, and then he goes around and they're filming him and his film crew is there, it's a, for a commercial, it's I again, but boy McKee, who you talk about like no sense of ethics or anything. I I think it's it's they caught it red handed. It's exactly what it is. These are Campaign events under the guise of it's official business.
1: They are. What's 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 curious though is, it, McKee's just not good at this. I mean the were, the incumbents in Rhode Island do this all the time. I mean yeah. I don't know if they're still there, but for several mayoral providence mayoral uh, terms there were vans i think they were street cleaning vans going around with the mayor's name splashed across it and they looked like campaign vans i mean that's that's not an uncommon thing but what's different here is just somehow mckee manages to not to make it look like it's something he shouldn't be doing even though often it is and i don't know if that's because the establishment doesn't like him so much and so they're not covering for him or if i mean part of it is might just be that he picks the wrong, so R.I. momentum. Does anybody believe that? So yeah. I mean, if, if nobody believes the talking point and if he's just going around and, and nobody's really paying attention, but his film crew's there, but there's no audience, it starts to feel like a setup for a campaign event. Whereas if people were enthusiastic, if there was actually a policy that he was supporting, um, I mean, for example, we, we discussed last week the, the signing of the abortion legislation or the, the gun legislation uh, last week uh, he where he was in a red shirt and he had the campaign to sign in front of him and it, it felt that felt kind of like a campaign event too uh, although i'll be closer to his official duties of signing legislation but the fact was that there was support there so if his film crew was there filming him for a commercial you would notice it if it's some contrived rhode island momentum uh that it just it just feels like a campaign talking point and it so is. that's that's what makes him look just kind of not very good at this.
0: Yes. You know, that's an excellent point, Justin Katz. And, and he, he doesn't seem to be getting any better. Now, I also want to just get your thought. One of the things, the big news last week, right before Wednesday was the filing day for all the officers, and the big buildup was that Mayor Fung was gonna to have to deal with Bob Lancia in a in a primary. And then at the very at the ninth hour, Lancia announced he would not be seeking the office um i I know he's disappointed he did challenge langevin in 2020 and it was one of those things like a lot of people he went to bed and he was ahead and he woke up and all the mail ballots have been put in um but what are your thoughts on lance exiting and kind of clearing the field for fun
1: well you know hopefully it's a sign that republicans are starting to to think at least the ones who remain in a game i mean we've had over a decade of of infighting on the republican side where it, i mean it culminated in the last uh, campaign with with this feeling that people were running against fung in order to keep him from becoming governor on the republican side and so right. that that Good hopefully point. that's coming to an end because i mean we're really nationally but i mean rhode island's been experiencing this for a long time so it's easy to miss but nationally we're really seeing the effects of of bad electoral decisions i mean this as much as politics can feel like a game it, it's not and so it, so hopefully there's a, a more mature kind of mindset coming as, as the stakes become clear uh, but i mean it's it, i'm sure it was painful for Bob Lancia. but at the end of the day if you look at the like the polls and if you look at the, the likelihood you see there's no there's no path and so What's the point of staying in except to unless you're just trying to grandstand or hurt the other person, which again goes to the the maturity of the party.
0: That's a very, very good point, especially in 2018. Now also Justin Katz, over the weekend, this group Patriot Front, they descended it, they took the tea, they went to the Freedom Trail, they were all dressed up, they had the neck oh, the khaki pants, flags, sneer drum even, marched along the uh, freedom trail and then went back to the tea and then dispersed and it it was very it was jarring to see how many of them there were uh the mayor of boston they're really going after it how did this happen and but by and large i mean it's not they didn't they didn't do any vandalism they didn't break any windows they did have shields but that's more in case if a crowd comes up to them Uh, a lot of political theater but it, it was certainly jarring to see these this group patriot front what is your thought on them marching on that boston freedom trail
1: well the the video i saw was was in a loop so which suggests it was probably captured just about the whole thing but so you're oh. talking around 50 i don't know i I'm, my guess is around 50 but so okay. it's, it's and and there was mention of people from around the country uh, maybe so it seemed like a pretty broad, broad Probably broad geography. When we when we get these events of only locals, they tend to be in a dozen small, lower sure. dozens. Um, and but I don't know. It's as as you say, they did not vandalize anything. I I, I immediately discount anybody who who's covering their face and trying to hide their exactly. identity. I, I, I mean, agree. that's it. It just becomes a big joke. Who even knows yeah. what they are? Uh, and I I don't think sometimes we do see these things where it's there's kind of what you call the false flag, where where it's a setup to for all the Democrats. to to rage against this was probably genuine but i think the larger concern for me is that response you mentioned the mayor calling it i think she called it terrorism uh, or they were terrorizing the city i mean they they marched down the street and left that's right that's about as i guess there was some altercation although there's not it's not clear whether somebody accosted them or what but um you don't get much closer to pure free speech than that i mean so the the opportunity for the people in power actually people with government authority over police and taxes and legislation ed markey the mayor of also the mayor of boston they're all for them to be making a scene as if this shouldn't be tolerated right you know that's that's the dangerous thing because they're, they're just showboating. They're the ones with power, not these goofs covering their face walking down the street in Boston. That's right. just a small event. And so I, th- I think people really need to step back and, and take some stock of the rhetoric from people who are supposed to be safeguarding our freedoms. And that's they're not going to do that if, if they can get a political edge. They're making that very, very clear. And especially in contrast, you never hear about, conservative g- anymore certainly in, in rhode island at least or massachusetts as well you never hear about conservative groups that actually are making sense and are reasonable they're just ignored uh, whereas this, this group of people probably from across the country walking down the street for a bit that's the big threat to the reality and that's who, who they have to address that that's kind of a an indication of of a I would say totalitarian kind of mindset where they just want to distract. As I said earlier, they just want to scare you into voting for them. Pretend there's some threat from these kids with, their faces covered, walking down the street with a drum and some flags. When there's really not, so that they, can, they right. can that they can continue to oppress people. The people in power can continue to oppress people. And that's and I think it's it's of the same with say you had, you had mentioned how uh, at the Republican convention all the media would be swarming on Fung and Ashley Callis trying to make them you know, talk about abortion and Donald Trump. And they did, but they both yeah. kind of waved it off and, and right and good on them, which is you know it was probably a successful convention because there was so little coverage of it. But the that's of the same thing. It's always gotta be go for the extreme, associate the most moderate people with the extreme in order to get scare people into voting for people who, who are destroying their communities with bad policies. And so that to me it's as as Fung and Carlos both said of the Trump questions, this the march in Boston is is a a distraction, and I think we need to get back to the time when uh, Jewish lawyers and uh, and ACLU yes. are defending these people's right. right to march. I mean, that was a healthy thing. Instead of it like, was. instead of Rhode Island's lieutenant governor going after me for pointing out that free speech is a good thing, yes. uh, that's what we we need to get back to that attitude. I think.
0: And the best example that they always cite is when the, the Nazi, neo-Nazis, whatever, when they marched in the late 70s, Skokie, Illinois, and the ACLU at the time defended their right to do it. As far as Patriot Front, I'm with you, Justin. All right, so a bunch of, I, th- I feel the same way. They're clowns with the, we're you know, face-covered masks. All right, so they marched around, but basically the mayor in Boston and others, they basically want to say they don't have the right to do that. And that's where I, I hate being in a, a position where we even have to defend a group like that but much like when you said it was great political theater, the people inside the, the red reading room are reading the communists and then the other people come and they're banging <laughs> with the flag outside. I mean, it's just total political theater. But the progressives and the left, they definitely lean into, oh, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. And they don't even uh, want to argue freedom of speech. Justin, I'm also curious your thoughts. So Speaker Sakachi did a, a taping on newsmakers and something that you and I had talked about, and the rest of the media really ignored, but he even admits it now. And that is that it's, it's certainly no laughing matter. Um, they asked him about the fact that 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 was, in fact, arson that took out his his building. I, I was just amazed. I'm still amazed at the at the time it was last May. When I went out and I was filming it, and I'm like, "There's no way somebody said, "Well, maybe somebody left a coffee pot on or uh, or the coffee machine overheated." I mean the back of the building was basically blown out, but it was um i I still don't understand why that's not getting more coverage when here he is the speaker Joe Josephccachi sitting on a a news program newsmakers with uh, Ted Nisi and Tim Whiteman, basically admitting that that twice now he's been you know targeted for arson
1: yeah it's it is suspicious that, and that nobody wants to cover that it does seem like a big story it seems like you know that's that's real terrorism i mean it, it is. not not some guys walking down the street in boston this is this is real terrorism and, and you kind of read the tea leaves and, and wonder you know who if the the likely culprits uh, explain the lack of interest i mean it, it's maybe i don't know if it's still who, who's winning on a tally but it used to be that eco terrorists were, were by far the the largest domestic yes. terrorist threat uh whatever whatever people might say about you know kindly old men in, in with don't tread on me flags uh at the state house but the this may be very much in keeping just radical groups committing terrorism and that's that's kind of acceptable to the left i mean a a lot of the 60s radicalism i mean president obama was friendly with with some of the radicals who did the left-wing terrorism in the 60s so i mean they're they're comfortable with with terrorism for a good cause and so the that may be they're just kind of reading the tea leaves and this wasn't they're finding this wasn't some you know some right-wing group targeting the speaker, but rather a left-wing group. And so we'll, we'll reserve judgment and wait until all the all the information is in. And, and so you won't hear about it very much, but it is it is conspicuous. I'm glad you picked up on that.
0: And also, uh, finally, Justin Katz, the Rhode Island Republican uh, GOP held their convention this week, Roads on the Patuxent, which is a good-sized room, good stage. And, um, you know, all in all, I have to give Chairwoman Susie Aki credit. They have a good slate of candidates now some issues certainly came out and motivated both sides uh specifically some of the 2a people but you know that i have not seen um both the house and the senate the rhode island republican party they have a good slate of candidates for this fall
1: right Uh, was it over 80 people running for the general assembly and that's that's what i mean i've been definitely and i think susanke agrees from what i've seen (laughs) Republicans really need to focus on that General Assembly and building yes. up that local race. Yeah. And, st- and that's another thing that's kind of encouraging me out, kind of backing out of the congressional race. You know, it's too easy for Republican candidates to say, you know what, I think I'll get into politics. I'm going to run for Congress. You know, I mean, that's that's just too easy. The, there that's needs right. to be that that build up. So you have some credibility and you, you can Learn the ropes, learn how to handle the media better before you're on the biggest stage, um, that kind of thing. And so it's it's encouraging to see. Uh, and I think what I th- see is, I mean, Steve Frias, who's who's well-known, uh, committee man and Republican, uh, ran against uh, the, the former Speaker of the House, Matty Yellow. Yeah, Matt Ellis. Yeah, Yellow. yeah he, as well. Yep. Yeah, he. I mean, he he's saying this may be the best time in to be Republican in Rhode Island since the sixties. Uh, yeah. So, and there's, there's some truth to that. And but where my mind goes is what that must mean nationally uh, because yeah. Rhode Island has been so gutted on the Republican side in the past 30 years that uh, if, if there's, if there's enthusiasm and if there's a wave and if there are a lot of candidates uh, dying to get into the race, then, then that's, that's a sign that nationally, Tides are turning, and, and people are not happy with the way things are going, which, as we discussed with the poll, is, is pretty obvious in on a lot of fronts.
0: Yeah, and it would only be positive if people and people should understand that you know most places uh, at the Rhode Island State House, there's no negotiation. The negotiation amongst is amongst the Democrat leaders, and then it's the progressives moderate, and they get the room and they steamroll over. If the Republicans could block legislation, if Republicans could block a vote, Well, now it becomes real democracy. Now it becomes a discussion. Everything isn't rubber stamped. Uh, That's when the state could actually be on the path to to hopefully turn around. Folks, again, here's the managing editor at Inkarising.com. It's Justin Katz. Justin, uh, happy belated fourth. Great job, as always, and we will talk to you again.
1: Thank you, John. Talk to you
0: soon. ...time means grill time. And for the best grill, get a new grill. Stop in and see my friends jay's broadway appliance and tv j apostrophe S, yes, broadway appliance and tv located 47 cedar swamp road that's route 5 smithfield you can call them 401-949-7800 springtime summer this is the best time to grill outside they have a great selection on grills they also have a great selection on all appliances family run business since 1963 remember you're going to deal directly with the owner and they will match or beat any package deal when it comes to appliances. Do you need a new refrigerator? How about a new dishwasher, washing machine, dryer, oven, microwave? Jay's Broadway Appliance. Look for them online at jsappliance.com. Also on Facebook, springtime, summer is grill time. Stop in and see them. They're open Monday through Friday from 10 to 5. You can make an appointment for more personal Saturday and Sunday Appointments Jay's Broadway Appliance and TV 401 949 7800. Better yet, drive in and see them 47 Cedar Swamp Road, Route 5 in Smithfield. To the John DePetro show, it's AM 1380 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePetro.com. Remember weekdays. 11 to 2 but visit the website depetro.com. that's the best way to reach me there's a direct link contact john we also have all our sponsors right there we have unique original reporting stories videos also all our links to social media whether it's facebook when we do facebook live or youtube or twitter 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401-305-3585, diagonally across from Davidport Restaurant.